was listening to his messages on that, it, the Lord really began to work with me. And, and the words, the healthy relationships, helping one another and connection, they really started to stand out because I started to think to myself, how, how can we be a church that is healthy? How can we be a church that's connected with one another if, if we're not willing to kind of look on the inside of ourselves? Uh, as many of you know me, I have a little bit more of a fellowshipy, fun side than Chris does, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But I'm not as fellowshipy as Pastor Scott is. But I, uh, I like to talk to people. I like to have a good time. But I, I've always had um, a issue with like fully opening up to people, if that makes sense. So. This may not make sense to some of y'all because you're like, wait, he talks to us about everything. But if you ever notice, I do a good job of talking to you, but then I always try to turn things back to, oh, how are you doing? So you can tell me how you feel, and I never have to truly share how I feel. And, and the reason I do that is for many different reasons. It's part of my childhood. It uh, makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't know how y'all are, but it's uncomfortable being vulnerable with people. That's maybe just me. Who knows? But it's just one of those things that I've never been able to uh, be good at, if that makes sense. And, and I think what it really stems from is uh, my understanding of the love that God truly has for me. And, um, and, and it, I deal with that because of the lack of father figure that I had in my life, which I talked about last time that I spoke. And I never really realized how much it affected me until I got here at Thrive, and, and I got challenged a lot by Pastor Scott to, to say, you know what, you're, you're missing some stuff here and here. Let's, let's talk about things. And I'm like, okay, we can talk about it, but I'm not telling you anything I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and there's been a whole lot of, and Chris can confirm this, there's been a whole lot of times where I've sat in his office and I've sat there quietly, and then he'll say something, and then for some reason, these emotions start taking over, and I start crying out of nowhere and empty an entire tissue box. But it's stuff that for so long I've just buried and I've kept down, and I haven't dealt with the issues at hand. And I never fully realized that in relationships in the past, what I would do is I would always seek some kind of father figure. I had a best friend growing up, so what I would do is I would always cling to his dad, but then what would happen is, what happens when he's not there anymore? Then I blame myself. There was uh, other people throughout my life that I would get close to, and I would be like, oh, yes, this is awesome, and I would start to open up, but then what would happen is those people would be out of my life, and I never fully understand or understood until a couple years ago that I placed all that blame on myself. So it wasn't right. It wasn't anything that I did wrong, but I always thought that it was my fault. I did something to push these people away. And until I was able to kind of look at that and say, you know what, God, I, I don't understand why I put that pressure on myself. I don't, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand why I felt that way. I, I didn't do anything wrong until I was able to just open up and allow God to really uh, meet me in the places that I was hurting and the areas that, that I uh, didn't fully understand or grasp and just was able to be real, I wasn't able to process any of that. 
and when I wasn't processing, all I was doing was keeping it in. And I don't know how y'all are. The longer you keep stuff in, the longer and deeper you bury it, it feels like you get this weight on your shoulders and you're walking around and, and you're like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm good. I'm good. And I think I, I believed that lie for a very long time that, oh, everything is good. Yeah, I'm great. There's nothing wrong. Everything's great. And, and it really took me, a, and I'm still obviously working through it, um, to just get to a place where it's like, God, I want to be real. I want to be real with myself. I want to feel the emotions that I feel. I don't want to allow those emotions to control everything that I do, but I want to be able to recognize them. And God, when I do recognize them, when I am being real with myself, I want to be able to talk to you. I want to have that relationship because for me, and I had this conversation with Pastor Scott a couple weeks ago, I've always looked at my relationship with God the same way I did with people. And what would happen is I would never want to be vulnerable. I would never want to get to the place with God where I felt like I would disappoint him, where I felt like I did something wrong. And I've lived a life where, where all I've done, all of these things, I'm like, I would never fully connect with God because I'm like, one day he's going to be gone. And Pastor Scott really challenged me. He said, we don't, we don't serve a God like that. And he gave me some scriptures to read. And he said, you need to read these because you, you'll never grow. You'll never fully experience what he has for you until you fully understand that. And I'm still on that journey. But that's what I want to talk about today is just, just being real, not, not putting on a facade, being truthful, and also being honest. And I have a couple of cinder blocks. Curtis, you want to help me? So we're just going to stack them over here like this. Yeah, one on top of the other. So each of these cinder blocks, I, I'm not much of a um, builder or anything along those lines, so bear with me, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. But whenever you build a house or a building, and you have to have a firm foundation that it's built on, so cinder blocks, each of these represents a year of our lives. Each of these represents something that, that has gone on. So let's say you break it up however your age is. For me, I'm 32, so 32 divided by 4 is seven and a half, roughly eight years. I don't know. So eight years. Thanks. I'm usually really good at math, but up here it doesn't flow the same. So eight years. So, so the first, the bottom cinder block would represent... Uh, years, birth through eight, and on up. So what the Lord really began to reveal with me is it's easy to take and, re- and work on a cinder block or the last couple things that have happened in the last couple years of your life when you recognize them. The hard part is, for me especially, when the bottom cinder block, something that I've dealt with for so long, something that happened at such a young age, something that I buried for, for so deep, it's a whole lot harder to get back and to be willing to get to that place. So if there's a crack in this cinder block here, it's going to be a whole lot more difficult. You can confirm it, hopefully. It's going to be a whole lot more difficult to replace the bottom piece of that foundation than it is to jack it up and place, replace the top. And for me, it was one of those things where 
like I was saying, I had, I had to be willing to say, God, things hurt. I don't know what I did in the, I don't understand why I did these things in the past, but, but I want to fix the foundation. Lord, I don't, I don't want to any longer be bound by any fear. I don't want to be bound by, by difficulties or struggles, Lord, but I want to be, I want to be real. I want to open up and I want to know everything that you want me to know about you and I want to understand the love that you have for me and I know that I I have to start being real with myself so that I can I can work on all the things that are hindering me from fully understanding your love so what I want to do is I want to the main uh, verse that I want to talk about was Psalm 139 23 through 24 And in verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out everything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So so for me, when I read that verse, I'm sitting there thinking, I, I have to be willing to allow the Lord to search me. I have to get to that place that says, God, I wanna know what's going on. God, I wanna know why I'm struggling in this area. God, I want to know why I'm upset in this situation. And for so long, I've lived a life where, where I've never been willing to ask those because honestly, it's a whole lot easier, or I thought it was easier to deal with those emotions by just burying them. But in verse 24, when it says, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me on a path of everlasting life, I realize, God, I'm going to cry out to you and I'm going to be okay with whatever it is that you tell me. And I'm going to work through it because I know that you love me. And I know at the end of the day, that's what you want me to do. So all, all those things, all those fears and failures, all that stuff, it, it's just past hurts that, that we have to be willing to, to get through. We have to be willing to open up with them um, and just allow the Lord to just minister to us in, in every aspect. So the first point is uh, being real with ourselves. We have to be willing to dig deep, like I said. We have to be willing to, to just do things that are uncomfortable because it's uncomfortable to go back and look at things that happen when we're younger, especially whenever they're buried so deep. And, and the, what we have to do is we have to recognize that we all struggle. Some of us do a much better job pretending like we don't, but we, we have to be willing to recognize our emotions. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So what you have to, what you have to see there is, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. So if you don't know that you're weary, if you don't know that you carry heavy burdens, how is he going to give you rest? If you just bury everything inside of you, you, you don't know that you're weary because you're like, oh, everything's fine. I'm good. You bury it so deep, you're not worried about it. But we just have to, we have to recognize it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul's saying in that he's acknowledging 
that he is weak. I don't know about y'all, we live in a society today that doesn't want you to acknowledge that you're weak. Everything you're taught is that you need to be strong, you need to do better, you need to pick it up, you need to just move on, just press on, don't worry about it. But Paul's saying when we acknowledge that we're weak, when we acknowledge that, that we face troubles, that, that we're suffering for Christ, when we acknowledge that, that's when his power is able to just fill us. And that's when, when we are weak, we're able to be strong in Christ. But we have to get to a point that, that we're able to recognize these things. And, and one thing I, I really struggled with uh, personally, like I talked about, was just understanding the love of God. And I thought that I had to be strong for God to love me. But in uh, Romans 8, 35 through 37, it says, nothing, or can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles or comedy or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So can you go back to the first part, Lisa? Thank you. Well, when it says, when it starts with, can anything ever separate us from, from Christ's love, I always live that life of, yeah, there's a lot of things that can separate us because I feel like I got a lot going on and I'm just going to bury it. But, but when I read through and it says, when we're in trouble, when we're persecuted, when we're in danger, even when we're threatened with death, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And, and it's taken me a long time to realize that. And, to ju- and I have to read that scripture every day, every other day, as much as I possibly can to, to gain an understanding of that's how much he loves me. Just because I'm facing something, just because I'm upset with somebody, just because there's a situation that's beyond my control, that, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. God's still there for me. He's still going to pick me up. But what he wants me to do is he wants me to call on him. And to do that, I have to realize that, that I have stuff going on in my own life. And so the second point is we have to be real with God. And if we're honest, God already knows everything about each and every one of us. But for some reason, we seem to think that he doesn't. So we try not to take things to him because we're like, God, I, I got this. I, I, can, I got it all together. And we're like, it's okay. I can do it on my own. But God's sitting up there in heaven just, just call out to me. Just, just reach out. I'm here for you. I know everything about you. And I have, I have a couple of scriptures here that just, they verify how much God knows about us. Uh, John 10, it says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. We are his sheep as believers. So God knows us. We know him. Just as my father knows me, I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice, and they will be one flock with one shepherd. And, and I, it's just a great reminder that God knows everything about us. He knows everything about every believer, and he knows everything about every unbeliever. And, and we, have to, we have to allow people to, to know that God loves them no matter where they're at. We can't be a, a church that's judging people based off where they're at because they've never understood the love that God has for them. 
in Psalm 139, 1 through 3, it says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. So again, it's saying, you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything that I do. So, so why, why, do we, why do we not allow God, even though it says he knows everything about us, why do we not allow him in? Why do we not ask him for help? And I think it's because we don't know that we're struggling because we're not being real with ourselves. We're allowing the world to define our, our circumstances and our situations. And, and we're not willing to allow the Lord to work because we're scared of what it might look like. Uh, Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is close to all who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. So the Lord's there for each and every one of us today. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're walking through, he's there for us. He cares about our struggles. He cares about, about the things that, we're, uh, that are causing us hurt. And uh, in Psalm 77, this is a great example. It says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout of the God who listened, God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. So, so for me, when I read that, I'm like, okay, it's okay to be real with God. It's okay to cry out and say, God, I need you. I need help. So it's just a great example of, of us or for us to say, you know what, God, we're allowed to be real. And I want to be real with you because I want, I want your help. I need your help. I can't do it on my own. I've tried for far too long. Um, and then Psalm 142, it says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. Can you go back to verse 2, Lisa? It says, I pour out my complaints before him, and I tell him all my troubles. So for me, when I read that, I'm like, okay. Even David was struggling. He had troubles. He had complaints. And he was real about them. He was considered a, a man after God's own heart. And he... He's saying, I, I had complaints, and I told him. I said, God, I, I'm struggling. I need help. And he told him of the trouble. So, so David was real with God about what he felt. He was real with him about the situations that he was facing. And for me, if, if David's considered a man after God's own heart, why would I not want to be that same way? Why would I not want to be able to say, God, I'm struggling. God, I need help. God, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how to handle this situation but we serve a God who can handle it. We serve a God that, that can lead us out of the uh, things that we don't understand fully. Uh, the, the last uh, example is Matthew 26, 36 through 46. It says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished, and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
he went out a little, little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of a sinner or sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. So when I when I was reading that and I and I was thinking about it in verse thirty-eight, Jesus was saying, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew that his father had a plan for each and every one of us, but he still struggled with it. He was still was looking for a way. God, if there's any other way, let it, let, let it happen. But, but what we have to remember is the next thing he said when he says, your will be done. So when we're facing hardships, when we're facing struggles, when we're facing difficult things, they're not going to always turn out the way we think they should. They're not always going to... Uh, to be this great, yes, God, this is what it is. But, but when we pray, when we ask God for help, just like Jesus did, we have to be willing to be okay with God's will. When we pray, we have to pray that the will of God be done. God, whatever your will is in this situation, I pray that it be done. I may not fully understand the things that are happening. I, I don't understand the, the cards that I was dealt. I don't understand why I had to grow up without a father. I don't understand why I, why I struggle understanding your love. But whatever it is, Lord, reveal to me what it is, and may your will be done through that situation. Because far too often we try to control and manipulate situations on our own, and we don't seek what God truly has for each and every one of us. Uh, the, next, the next point is we have to be real with others. And, and I don't know about you, but that's probably one of the most difficult things for me to do. And, and I would even say it's difficult for me to be real with even those that are closest to me. It's difficult for me at times to be real with Allie. It's difficult for me to be real with my mom at times. It's difficult for me to be real with Pastor Scott and Chris and, and people that I see every day because I, for so long I, I've been concerned about what other people think. I've lived a life based off of man's approval, not God's approval. And, and what God's telling me is you don't, you don't have to worry about what other people think. But also, I've been the same type of person that, that people will say something, and I'm like, well, why'd you do that? That's stupid. Why would you ever do that? It's one of those things where, where I've, I've been on the end of, I've been afraid to share because of, of how I think people are going to respond to what I share, what their reaction is going to be. But I've also been on the end where people are shared and I've made them feel condemned for the way that they're feeling. 
So, so my challenge is that as a church, we can't be that way. If we're going to be a church that's about healthy relationships, fellowship, community, all these things, we, we can't be a judgmental church. We have to be willing to allow people to be themselves and to be open and to be real. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go about telling everybody our business, but I do think that we have to find people that are close to us and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. And instead of saying, hey, you know what? Put your big boy pants on, pick it up, keep going, keep moving. We need to say, you know what? I bet that does hurt. I bet that is a struggle. You know, I, I may not fully understand what you're going through, but God does. We serve a God that cares about you. And we have to be willing to be a people that are not only willing to share, but a people that are being willing to help others. In Galatians 6.2, it says, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. So, so for me, it's a command of we, we have to be willing to share the burdens that each of us face. We have to be willing to, to, to sit and be real with somebody. We have to be willing to, whether it's at a men's group, a Sunday morning, whatever it may be, when, you, when you're around and you're, and you're feeling weighed down, you're feeling bogged down by the, by the pains and stress of the world, we have to be willing to share it with others. So I'll tell you a story about my own personal journey with this. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, my, my wife and I, we were going shopping. And uh, if any of you know or pay attention, I have a coffee addiction. So we were on the way to uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And, and I was just having a bad day. I don't, I don't honestly don't know what was going on. But Allie, for some reason, she knows me better than I know myself. I don't know how any of you other guys in here that are married, but your wife typically knows what's going on before you do. So, so she turns to me. She's driving the car, so she just kind of cut her eyes real quick. She didn't turn her head. Because, and, and, yeah, we'd have been in trouble. But she turns to me, and she's like, hey, is everything okay? And I did that, you know, yeah, everything's fine. I'm fine. And... 30 seconds later, I don't know how y'all are, but she wanted to ask the question again, and I wanted to give the same answer, and I said, I'm fine. Everything's fine, and, and then I sat there for a couple minutes, and, and I just thought to myself, I was like, I'm not fine. I'm struggling, and, and I, I told her, I said, Allie, I don't know what's going on. I'm hurt. I, I just feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. I, I just don't understand. And, and uh, for the past six months, year, Allie and I, we've been trying to have a kid. And, and all I've done is I've carried all the fear, all the hurt of God. I don't understand why this hasn't happened yet. God, I don't, I don't know what's going on. God, and, and for so long, it's been buried so deep that, that I've just kind of, I threw it all up on her. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't understand. Why is it so easy for some people? Why is it so difficult? And I, and I got to this point 
when we were done, and I felt like I could breathe again. I felt like my chest was open, and I felt like this weight was just off of my shoulders. But but what happened next was, it was cool, and it it wasn't cool in the same sense. But but Allie Allie looked at me and she said, "Wow, I didn't know you felt that way. I felt like I had been carrying it all by myself this whole time." So, because I wasn't real with myself and talking about my emotions, because I, I wouldn't take that to God, because honestly, I was like, it's your fault, it's not happening, because I never dealt with it myself. I wouldn't be willing to share it with her either. And it brought about a, a, a shame and a condemnation that she felt, because she's like, why, why is everything fine with him? When on the inside, it wasn't. On the inside, I was hurt just as much as she was, but I wasn't, I wasn't being real with myself. So it was, it, was, it was an interesting conversation, but it was so freeing, and it brought about, and it really showed me that that's, that's exactly what I have to do in, in everything, that, that, it does, that I just have to be real. I got to say, Curtis, you're, you're struggling today. And then I got to turn to God and say, God, I'm struggling today. But then when people ask me, when people say, hey, how are you doing today? I don't have to be fake. I don't have to, I don't have to pretend like everything's all together. But I can be real. I can say, you know what? It's been a rough day. But I know I, know I got a God that cares about me. And hopefully that person will be willing to talk to me and they'll be willing to encourage me as well. But, but for me, I feel like... We have to be a people that's willing to be real if we're true about being a church that's going to embrace and encourage people where they're at. Because if we, if we can't be real about our own flaws, our own struggles, our own issues that we have, how can, how can we embrace people where they're at? The only way we can do that is by being fake. And, and I don't think that's what God has for us. I think God... I think God wants us to be able to open our arms and say, you know what? I know you're far from God. You know what? I know you're struggling today. I, I, know, I know that's got to be an issue. And, and I think he wants us to be a people that are willing to just open our arms and just show love to people. And, and when we do that, I think he wants us to take it a step further, and he wants us to encourage them right where they're at. He doesn't want us to say, hey, you know what? Well, when you get to this level, when you, when you get it together, come back, then I'll encourage you. I think God's saying, hey, wherever people are at, we got to say, it's okay. And we got we to gotta point people to the word. And, and the only way we can do that is, is we have to grow in the word. And, and we have to grow in our understanding of God's love for each and every one of us. Because if we don't understand his love, how can we love others truly? So the, uh, the, the last thing I want to share is, is, is we just have to be a church that, that we're not afraid of, of what people think about us. We got to be a church that, that's not judgmental, that when people walk into this place, they feel like it's a uh, social society. What, what's the word? A social club. What's the golf? Country club. That's it. <laughs> It's not like a country club atmosphere, but, but it's a church that's full of a group of people that are 
real about the situations that they're facing. But when we're real, we know that God is a God that can bring healing. God is a God that can bring provision. God is a God that can work in every situation of our lives. So, so we just have to be a people that are willing to step out, a, a people that are willing to acknowledge the things uh, that are in us and be okay with it and allow God to just, to just move. Uh, in 1 Peter 4.8, it says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. So, so when, I'm, when I read that, I'm reminded that we, we have to show love to each other because our love can cover everything. And, and it has to be a love that comes from God.